It's so good to be together on this day. When I uh, sing, We Come Alive in the River, I always think of baptism and I think of the flowing and moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's a great song as we uh, think about Nehemiah and the dedication of the walls. It was a great celebration, a great act of remembering and thanksgiving. And that's fitting today because this is our First Fruit Sunday. And when uh, that Sunday that becomes kind of the focal point of the whole month in which we just remind ourselves and one another that we want to give our first and our best to the Lord. And so we call it First Fruits. That was the first and the best of the harvest, the first and the best of the foals and the births of uh, the field in every, every way to say thank you, God. This morning, we'll be looking at chapter 12. It's 47 verses in length, and that's a lot to read. It's also entangled with lots of ancient names and things that can be confusing without a little extra study. So I want to summarize it because we're going to look at four verses in particular, 27, 30, 31, 40, and 43. And I would like to bring those to you now so you can listen to me or you can follow along in your Bible. Verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem. Verse 30, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people, and the gates and the wall. Verse 31, then I, that is Nehemiah, then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great Thanksgiving choirs. And in Hebrew, they're called Toda choirs because that's the word Thanksgiving in Hebrew. It occurs four times in these verses. In these few verses, verse 27, verse 31, verse 38, and verse 40, all uses of the word Toda to express or to acknowledge or to uh, identify thanksgiving. And here it's a choir that's designated to give thanksgiving with praise and song unto the Lord with instruments. Verse 31, so he brings them up onto the wall, the two great groups of thanksgiving choirs. And then in verse 31 through 37, one group, we're told, went to the south. 
And half the people, led by the, the scribe Ezra, went to the left or to the south. And then in verses 38 through 39, the other half of the people, including Nehemiah, and their Thanksgiving choir and instrumentalists. So you, can you picture that? Two great groups of all the people. There's a choir there that's been practicing. They've got instruments and noisemakers. They've got, you know, all kinds of, of things that they wave, colored banners. And one group goes one way, and the other group goes the other way. And verse 40 says, so both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God. In other words, they met together and then they all went and stood in the house of God, in the temple of God. And verse 43, they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. They made history. When you commemorate, when you acknowledge, when you remember God, you make history. And there are four things that we've just heard about that I want to quickly underscore in verse 27 they planned to celebrate God with joy for the dedication of the wall in verse 30 they dedicated themselves to God by purifying themselves starting with the leaders and putting God first by cleansing their hearts of duplicity and idolatry before they actually dedicated the walls Third, in verse 31, they acknowledged God with thanksgiving. They quite literally claimed the walls for God with thanksgiving. Two processions of all the people, choirs singing songs of thanksgiving, instrumentalists playing, banners and streamers waving, giving thanks to God for what was underneath their feet. That's such a beautiful thing. And then, verse 43, they brought great sacrifices with rejoicing to express and give thanks to God. For, we are told, God made them rejoice with great joy. And that's significant because if they hadn't seen God in all the daily little things they did, the days they made history, every day they got up in the morning and went to work on that wall, every brick that was laid, every bit of debris that was carried away, God would not have made them rejoice. They wouldn't even have given thought to God but he was in the middle of it. He was recognized, he was acknowledged, and therefore he was remembered. In a, in, a, in a sense, you could say every day that we gather here on Sundays, I am trying to remind us of the Lord in our lives and how he works in our lives and how he leads us in our lives and what the future is that he has for us. 
But as we grow in Christ, these are things that we need to be remembering on our own. We need to be preaching to ourselves during the week. We need to be acknowledging God and the little things that go on in our very ordinary lives by the world's estimation. They made history. Henry Ford said, the only history that matters is the history we make today. The problem is history never looks like history when you're living it, unless that is we have a grand purpose, a reason to see as unforgettable what is otherwise forgettable. It's told that a great church was being built in England, and the architect himself was walking among the work. And there were stonemasons and bricklayers. He came to one and he said, what are you doing? What are you building? He says, I'm laying brick to another. What are you doing? He says, I'm building a wall. And to another, a third, he says, and what are you building? And he says, sir, I'm building a a cathedral. What a difference if we realize that we're building things that are bigger and greater and outlasting of what we can see with our human eyes. Because we know a God who lives before us and outlives us. He gives meaning to the sense of eternity and to the shortness of a single lifetime. Today is tomorrow's yesterday, and all history is nothing but yesterday's selectively remembered. For there to be history, someone must see it and remember. If we don't see it and acknowledge it, if there's no telling of it, it's as though it never happened. It's not only forgettable, it's deemed meaningless. Nine times in this chronicle, in this history of Nehemiah and the people, the reconstruction of the walls, after returning to the land, nine times in this book that we've been looking at, Nehemiah singles out the word remember, zakar, that it's necessary to remember God and we have a God who remembers. We've all grown up with Thanksgiving Day. Not one of us here has ever known a year without Thanksgiving Day. There was a time there was no Thanksgiving Day. People got up, went through the year, and year after year, and there was no day of Thanksgiving. No turkeys, no football. It's an institution of remembering, of giving voice to the past, of making history by acknowledging something counted and something mattered. Abraham Lincoln, 
and not alone, in league with others that were keen on this idea of remembering. But Abraham Lincoln was the president. He knew the importance of remembering. And the Thanksgiving proclamation of October 3rd, 1863, opened like this. The year that is drawing towards is closing. The year that is drawing towards is close and has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget, the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are so extraordinary in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. That's a grand scale of calling a nation to remember and to realize that we are in the hand of a providential God, not an impersonal force, a disinterested party. And in the eyes of the message of the gospel in the New Testament, a God who loves each and every one of us, cares for us and monitors and remembers us our needs, his plans for us, his hopes for us, his desires. But let me give you two very small scale examples of seeing, acknowledging, and remembering. Because as I said, if you do not see it, if you do not remember it, if you do not acknowledge it, it's forgettable. An executive was late for a crucial meeting and couldn't find a parking spot. You see, these are examples of things that are my size. Your size, too. Circling frantically as precious minutes ticked away, the executive turned to God and prayed, Help me, Lord, help me find a parking spot. If, if you will, I will. And then right at that moment, in the middle of listing ways God would be thanked, miraculously, a parking spot appeared, and the executive blurted, never mind, I found one. <laughs> that's extra funny, because that's us. Something memorable went unacknowledged. Instead of making history, it was opted to be categorized as something forgettable, something meaningless, something that will never be part of history in the sense that history counts and is meaningful. This last Wednesday in the evening, early evening, I received a text from Stephen Elliott, who is our senior high school pastor this is exactly what he texted me. This is Stephen speaking. This was our conversation on the way to Awana. Evie, that's Evelyn, his little daughter. Evie, Daddy, Jesus loves me. 
Stephen. Yes, he does, very much. Evie, Pastor John loves me too. (laughs) Only a Scrooge could mutter bah humbug to that. And the interesting thing is out of a few ordinary, well, maybe not so ordinary moments in retrospect, Big things were happening. Not just forgettable. Not just of forgettable impact. Precious things were happening. Paul told us to redeem the time. Little becomes much in the hands of God. The ordinary is turned extraordinary by those who redeem the time and the power of the Spirit under the influence and inspiration of God. It's as if in life we were building a cathedral. But with a few ordinary moments like those that caused a child to include me in the array of those who love her. How about you? So many of you working with the Evies of our church. In Sunday school, in Bible club, in Awana, in the different areas of children's ministry, in not just our church, but wherever you go, some of you who are teachers, or what about parents? What about the people in our lives that my wife calls sandpaper people? In all these situations, in all of them, you Represent the Lord. You have him living and breathing and his heart beating in you. And you can make an impact. You're building a cathedral unto the Lord with your life. You're turning ordinary moments, time that's forgotten, into time that counts in eternity. The key for us to make history, as I've tried to describe, as Nehemiah exemplifies, the key for us to make history are these two things. I did it for the Lord. That's one. The Lord did it for me. That's two. That's how we see, how we acknowledge, how we recognize, how we remember and give thanks. We see God's role in our lives, God's will for our lives, God's work in our lives, God's provision, and we remember and give thanks. There's an old saying, today is the first day of the rest of your life. The rest is history, you see. It's a sobering thought. 
make history. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Make history. History that's worth remembering because you remember God. The psalmists, the psalmists, the psalms themselves are memories. They're remembrances set down for others to stand upon and remember with their eyes, their ears, their emotion, their understanding. And we can stand on their shoulders when we read them. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let's remember the Lord, his goodness, his provision. Let's prepare our hearts to rejoice and to dedicate and to give thanks and to offer our sacrifices with joy as we turn to the Lord with our first fruits of praise. I'm going to ask Larry Pruitt, the chairman uh, of our elder board and new campus team to come and lead us in prayer. Thank you, John, and praise God. One thing to share with you, this past week I had a contractor ask to meet with me. Uh, he's one that the church has previously worked with, and you didn't need to know he doesn't even attend our church. When we met, he said that he appreciated Grace Community Church and wanted to give us a check for support. The unexpected check, the gift, was for $15,000, which will be included in our first fruits offering. As a family, we've been encouraged to really you know, be, give big and give strong for this first fruits goal. And this unexpected gift is evidence that the Almighty God is with us in this goal. So please stand with me if you would and join as we thank the Lord for the abundance and gracious goodness he has given to this church. Let's exalt him with thanksgiving and let's pray together and offer him our first fruits. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we just stand in awe at what you do. We look even now at what was the history of the week and we give you praise, Lord, for what you have done and what you will do even this morning in here as we make history, as we offer our first fruits to you and as we praise you with that. So Lord, we ask that you would take what we give and honor your name. Do it for the kingdom's sake. Do it that you might touch the hearts of men and women and boys and girls who still are searching for Jesus. We trust you with this. We thank you, Lord, for the way you have worked and moved in our lives. We are, are totally transformed and changed by what you have done. We will never be the same because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we offer this to you. Be exalted. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Got to get organized. Where does everybody sit? Sit here. I'm going to stand with you guys. I think God's up to something. Amen. All right. Part of 
the blessing of Grace Community Church are so many talented people and seeing the worship team this morning that was affirmed for me that we have a lot of talent in our church and maybe your talent is cleaning, maybe your talent is serving children or serving older children, um, adults, young adults, uh, but God's using you, God's using us to build his kingdom and that's exciting. Two of those talented people are up here with me today. I don't know why I get nervous when I get up here. Are you nervous? A little bit, yeah. Stephen's not. I could tell. You don't look nervous at all. Just <laughs> I would like to have you meet these two people that I have an opportunity to serve with, but also lead in some ways. Uh, so why don't you tell me your name and how and when you came to Grace Community? Um, I'm Emily Franson, and I came to Grace Community about six years ago um, in high school ministry because um, one of my friends invited me from high school. Um, I'm Stephen Austin. Uh, some of you know me as uh, the Six Million Dollar Man or Stone Cold Steve Austin. I accept both of those nicknames. Um, I came to Grace in January of this year, um, and I was invited by Sylvia Salas. She's not here right now in the congregation. She's an ABF, but she's the one who invited me initially, so that's how I came. Very good. Emily, you answered the call to fill a need in satellite and worship arts ministry. Why don't you tell us about how that came about? She really invested herself, all of herself in that. So why don't you tell us about that? Um, so at the time, a lot of our people in satellite were leaving to college and um, the worship band was kind of whittling down and TJ knew that I could play guitar a little bit. So he asked if I'd be willing to, you know, um, just play guitar, but kind of in the style of bass. So that there'd be like more going on. And I was like, yeah, I could learn that. And then um, I bought a bass, <laughs> and I started learning. And it's something I never thought I would really do. But um, he helped me out, and I just started getting involved in that and serving on the worship team. That's awesome, Emily. Thank you for doing that, because we get to see you up here on Sundays now. But also, she helps out Satellite a lot. She invested herself financially and spiritually in that. She invested prayer in that, and she bought a bass. Have you been asked to serve someplace and went out and, and spent your own money not knowing what would come of that, but God has really used her, and what an awesome thing. Uh, Stephen, you recently came to a realization about honoring God through serving and using your gifts. Why don't you tell us about that a little bit? Okay, um, so when I first came to Grace, um, my first time be ever being at Satellite, um, right after service, I was approached by TJ, and it was more like a, I don't know, to me it felt like he was sprinting at me, like he couldn't get down fast enough. TJ sprints everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He, he does. But that night it was especially fast. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I got approached by TJ and uh, I don't remember anything except for him saying, hey, do you play guitar? Hey, do you want to be on a worship team? And hey, can you download Planning Center on your, on your phone? <laughs> Which for those of you who don't know, Planning Center is the app that we use to, you know, organize everything on worship team. But um, so, uh, I, um, I've been on worship team before and I went through a time period of my life just this past summer where, um, I struggled with, uh, you know, self-doubt and just feeling like I wasn't good enough and feeling like I, my place on worship team wasn't really valued, but, um, let's see, I prepared some, some stuff here, um. I just came to the realization that I wasn't using the gifts that I was given through music. I, I was forgetful of those gifts 
that God had given me. And I just came to the realization after some prayer and reading of his word and just, just thoughtful time with him that I need to use those gifts to honor him and not just use them for my own benefit. Because everything we should do, whether it's um, talking to people, whether it's um, doing, doing your job, whether it's, you know, just enjoying time by yourself or enjoying time with your family, no matter what it is, um, everything should be a, an act unto God. Everything should be an act of service. And after time praying, so much time praying over this and so much wrestling in my heart, God had put it on my heart that I, I needed to do this. I need to do this. And he's made it a want now for me to do this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. Very good. I don't know if you heard the message this morning um, because they are the message. You are the message. I mean, you think you came for the message, but you are the message this morning. Uh, God calls us to give back to him our best of our time, talents, and treasures. And they both put in a lot of time for the worship band. Um, treasures, you know, Emily invested money, her own money, to purchase a base because there was a need. God had called her to fill. And then using your talent is also very important. So where are you serving and what are you doing? Hopefully you learned a lot from Stephen and Emily. Ask them a lot of questions afterwards. They're not completely comfortable with that, but I give you permission to do that. Say Corey said it was okay. You can stalk them a little bit on social media and ask them some questions. Enjoy the rest of your morning. Good morning. My name is Michael Lopes. For those who do not know who I am, I am on the pastoral staff. What a privilege I have of serving the Lord in that manner at this day and time. Let me read a psalm. This is Psalm 100. It's a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. What am I thankful for as I enter into his presence? As I stand with you in his presence, what am I thankful for? There's many things. In the summer of 1994, when I was 22 years old, been at Grace Community Church for two years and going to COS, I began to ask the Lord what he wanted me to do professionally. I narrowed it down for him, a mechanic, a welder, or an accountant. He said, Pastor. I said, uh, okay. He said, but not until you're 40 years old. I said, okay. As I have followed his leading, he has proven himself faithful over and over again to bring about his calling. I could, I could sit here for hours telling you what he's done to shape and mold me. I could tell you that he set me in a wonderful church family who's loved me continually through their prayers, their words, their kind deeds. But this is not the time to say that. I could tell you how he has set me in various trials 
that have just chiseled me away, chiseled my proud heart down. But I'm gonna focus on one of those that began two years ago in the summer of 2017. On August 14th, I had a very common surgical procedure that had a very uncommon recovery process. You think after two and a half decades of seeing the Lord prove himself faithful and true and his love being relentless, that I would walk through it with joy and a head held high and looking forward to what he was doing. But that was not always the case. In fact, that might have been the minority of the time I did that. Let me tell you what, tell you what a, real quick, what a typical recovery process for the surgery that I had entails. And I put it up, having it on the screen up behind me so you can follow. I'll do this quickly. The first five days, you experience pain, discomfort, and swelling. Ten days after surgery, the pain begins to lessen, and you go back to work. About three weeks after surgery, you're pain-free, and life resumes. That would have been a wonderful, a wonderful recovery. Here's what I experienced. Five days after surgery, intense pain. Ten days after surgery, intense pain, and I'm not sleeping in my bedroom at all just on the couch. After three weeks, I've got intense pain. I'm sleeping on the couch. By the way, that's why there's IPSC, their initials. My wife asked me that, who's very analytical, so I'm telling all of you who are analytical. And after three weeks, I had no diagnosis as to why nothing was changing. After 60 days, intense pain, sleeping on the couch, no diagnosis, housebound, and dread and despair was forming in my life like thunderclouds. After 365 days, intense pain, sleeping on the couch. I had not slept in my bedroom. That's very hard. No diagnosis, dread and despair, housebound. 411 days. 46 days after my surgery, I was set for another procedure. And two days before, on August, October, Saturday, October 2nd, it was like the Lord was like, you can do something. And I made a change that day. See, I had, in day about 61, I really hadn't gone out of the house at all, except for two occasions. I don't even know how I got out of there, quite frankly. I think it was the Lord being very kind to me those two days. But Tim and Corey came by my house, and they said, Michael, you need to figure it out. You need to get out of the house. You need to do something. Their words were timely, kind, but very forceful. And so we figured out a contraption, an apparatus that I could use to get me out of the house. And so I did. But still, a year after surgery, I was still in pain. Not much had changed. And I had in the summer of 2018, just slightly before my one-year anniversary, told John, I need to leave the ministry. I cannot do this any longer. I'm not fit for it. This is too li limiting. And he said in his wise words, When's your next, when is your next appointment? And I said, it's on October 8th. He said, let's just wait until then. Let's see what the doctors say. And so when two days before my appointment, I experienced a change in pain level, I was stunned. And things began to turn. And I was able to sleep in my bed October 6, 2018. That was 
I'm very, very, very thankful for that. 802 days later, this day, I still have pain. I've experienced three procedures, probably a few more on the horizon, and activities are slowly returning. I've been asked this question. If you could do it all over again, would you have the surgery? My answer, without a doubt, absolutely. Even, even when I recall all that went through in the beginning, I would do it again because the Lord proved himself faithful so many times. I would not have seen it. Because I went through it, I have a deepened understanding and compassion for those who have life-altering situations. My proud heart that would look upon those situations before with us. <laughs> Come on, suck it up, buttercup. Quit being a baby has changed because I know sometimes you just can't do anything. Understanding what the effects from prescribed pain medication can do on the mind and the body. I never had anything like that before. Gabapentin is, not a, is a very tricky drug, but I understand now. I have a, my trust in being part of a church family has been enhanced. My love, I should say my love for being part of a church family has been enhanced. When I was housebound, I realized I was not made to be a person of one, but be part of the many. I love being part of this church family. My trust in the church's leadership has been enhanced. From Corey and Tim to John to all the other leaders, our deacons, our elders, no one put pressure on me. They prayed, they were faithful, words of encouragement. Yahweh has proven himself faithful. His faithfulness has been magnified. One of the things I asked of the Lord in the early days, in the, especially the first 60 days, multiple times, was that he would take me home. I was done. I'd go to bed at night and say, please, Lord, just take me home. I'm done in my life, please. I'm so glad he did not answer that prayer. I'm, because I get to tell you how faithful he is, how great he is. And I cannot wait to see the, all the things he'll do in my life, but not only mine, but also ours. I think of it when we go down that property has been talked about. Man, we're going to enter that property with thanksgiving and praise because we're going to remember what he's done. $15,000. The things that have come before and the things that are coming after. We will shout. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let this, the deeds of the Lord, be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise our God. We are grateful, and we're gonna close our service with singing, grateful. We're grateful to the Lord Jesus. These are the words that I want us to take with us. They're the words of Paul the doxology of gratitude and thanksgiving. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory 
in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And his people said, will you stand and sing grateful?